Hi, you guys. How are you doing tonight? I'm going to be talking tonight on something that's close to my heart. Bob and I often um, tag team a little bit on our conversations about people, personalities, and how to get along with each other. That's kind of our common things, right? Um, Tina knows that one of my very favorite sayings is different, not wrong. We talk about that a lot on Tuesday night, don't we? And I want to start a um, I want to start a series called two part series. The first one's called "Different, Not Wrong." The second one is called "Different, But Wrong, Maybe." Maybe, okay. So, in, yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about um, relationships and how to get along with people who are different from you, not in a moral way or they believe something radically different politically or um, about the things of, um, of uh, I want to say morality, but mores, yeah, um, things that we might consider go against our values. That's our, that's our part two series. Today, I want to talk about not a values difference, personality differences. How do we get along with people that are different? How do we understand people that are different? How do we love people that are different? the way that Jesus has loved us, right? So I'm going to just start out. I do need, I'm going to use this. I'm going to give you our Bible verse for today. It's Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, passion, anger. No more insulting or insults. No more harmful feelings, hateful feelings of any sort. Instead, be kind and tenderhearted to each other. And forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. One of the values of this gathering, one of the things that we talk about a lot, is that relationships matter. In fact, life is all about relationships. The rest is just details. So because relationships matter, and I believe that healthy relationships are the very foundation of our society. When marriages go south, when families go south, we have we have brokenness in our people. And that's when people turn to addictions. They turn to unhealthy relationships. They turn to all kinds of things to medicate themselves when relationships break down. Would you agree with that? Would you, at this stage in our life, would we all agree that's true? That relationships can sometimes be hard. And if we don't um, approach relationships in a healthy way, we're going to medicate in an unhealthy way. Or we're going to be lonely and broken. And we're not going to fulfill our destiny. And the reality is that God created us to live in a community. That's why I like community. He did not create us to live as islands um, to ourselves. Because like we like to talk about, we're broken, we're weird, and we're sinners. So if we're just by ourselves, we tell, our, we tell ourselves really crazy things. And sometimes we need the people around us to keep us on track right? They need to keep us on track in terms of the lies that we tell ourselves. We need people to tell us the truth. We need to, people to speak into us for our destiny and what we're destined to do. And we need people to hold us accountable when we're going down the wrong, wrong track, right? And so in that sense, having a healthy relationship with the people in our lives is one of the most important things we can do. And that's why I want to talk about relationships tonight. And my title is called Different Not wrong. This is a, um, I was talking to Chris about it. He's in Las Vegas. He says, hello. He's suffering for Jesus next to a pool. 
in Las Vegas visiting his daughter. And I told him the title. He goes, oh. He goes, like, we don't say that all the time at our house. <laughs> I said, babe, this is going to be your favorite sermon. You can listen to it over and over and over. He goes, yeah. He goes, <clears throat> you know how much I love different, not wrong. Because I do say that a lot in our house. Um, I learned different, not wrong. I wish I could take credit for the phrase different, not wrong, but I can't. I learned it from a Bible study called um, Love and Respect. And in it, Dr. Emmerich, Emmerich, Emerson, thank you. He uh, does a study on the difference between men and women, and he talks about that you can sometimes, when it comes to men and women, you can visualize men having blue headphones and women having pink headphones, and they don't communicate sometimes. It's kind of like that um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of picture, right? And what he's trying to teach the men and women in that class is even though you don't understand her pink headphones and she doesn't understand your blue headphones, it doesn't mean that either one of you is wrong. You're just different. You just hear things differently. You perceive things differently. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you doesn't mean they're automatically wrong or that you're automatically wrong. And this was kind of a the paradigm shift when I first heard this, because in my first marriage, and maybe you guys think this too in, in your marriage relationships, that if we're not in total agreement, something is wrong. Like marriage should mean not only that you're one flesh, but you agree on everything. Where to go to church, how to spend the money, how to raise the kids, how to clean the house, all the things that pe spouses fight about. I thought that the hallmark of a healthy, strong marriage was agreement. But you know what? That's completely a fa fallacy. There's a, um, a man, a researcher, his name is John Gottman. Have you, any of you heard of John Gottman? Okay, he is a really well-known um, marriage uh, researcher, not just a counselor. He actually does the clinical research where he, he um, follows up on people's relationships to see how they last throughout the years, and he's really, really well-known. His research shows that 69% of the disagreements you have in your marriage will never be resolved. 69%. That's a lot of disagreement, right? So it's not if you have conflict, it's when you have conflict. And when I'm talking about conflict, I'm, this is going to be your friends, your kids, your mom and dad, hello. How many of you guys get along with your parents 100%? Don't say anything, Sterling, because your mom's right next to you. Um, and so it's not that conflict shouldn't happen. It's conflict is inevitable. How are you going to manage conflict? What's that going to look like in your relationships? So that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I want to talk about, I used different, not wrong, to get you here, but I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of different things, right? One of them is going to be conflict, because we're going to have conflict in our relationships. If we're going to be good friends to each other, if we're going to be good spouses to each other, good parents, good children, we need to expect conflict, and in fact, embrace it. In fact, look at it as a tool to further the relationship, to make the relationship stronger. You don't hear about that a lot, right? Um, you know, if you think conflict is not for human beings, I got news for you. Jesus 
suffered conflict. He experienced conflict. He experienced conflict from the religious leaders. He experienced conflict from his own family. They didn't believe in him. And he experienced conflict in his group of disciples that wanted to direct him and tell him what to do. They betrayed him, denied him. He experienced conflict. If Christ experienced conflict, you can sure shoot and bet that we're going to experience conflict. Our whole goal, though, as we become more and more mature as people and as believers, we don't want to respond to people the way the world does. We want to respond to people the way that Jesus does. We want to respond out of the the Father heart of God because that's what changes the world. I'm convinced, I'm convinced 100%, if we lived out of our identity, if we lived modeling the Father heart of God, the world would be so impacted just by our behavior. Not because we won't go out and start charities and, and raise all kind of money and do these fabulous things. It's because our attitudes and our heart would be so impactful to the people around us that we would bring health and healing wherever we go. Do you agree with that? I know that with um, Celebrate Recovery, <clears throat> that's like a, Step Study is like a year program. Well, I stayed in it for a year, I think. When you, when you are intentional about going in and getting healing, the Holy Spirit comes and does this incredible healing in your midst if you make yourself available to it. If you say, you know, maybe the way I've been doing life the last 39 plus years isn't all there is. Maybe there's more. And that's just kind of what I want to um, open up with today is I want to open up your paradigms perhaps a little bit and challenge maybe some ideas to help you go to the next level demonstrating who God is. All right? All right. I think that what I've, what I've discovered, and I've been, I'm not an expert. Um, I think I want to become an expert because of my second marriage. I want to do a lot better than I did in my first marriage. So I do a lot of different Bible studies and a lot of different marriage studies. And the one common thread that goes through all of them is that the conflict arises when we have what are called unmet needs or unmet expectations, okay? What are some, in a marriage, what are some unmet needs or needs that, that you think should be met by your spouse but sometimes aren't? Helping around the house. Right, that's a good one. Anybody else? What'd you say? Yeah, that you should have a common, you should talk to each other. That's an expectation. Yeah, that's a good one. I have that one a lot. To be heard, yep. That your marriage is a safe place. Yeah. Anybody else? How about the biggies, like where you should go to church? Should you go to church? How you should spend your money? Should you save your money? Should you know, go on vacation? How you should raise the kids? What else? I had, um, how, do you, how do you organize your life? Like what are the priorities in your life? The reality is, um, when we have expectations that go unmet, we experience um, dissatisfaction. Sometimes we want to blame the other person because we're not happy, because our needs aren't being met. And let me just say this. In a marriage, 
it's legitimate to have some needs. They have to be expressed. You need to sit down and have that conversation. They have to be expressed. But some needs that we have or some expectations that we have come because we, being the self-absorbed people that we are, <laughs> Tim, right? Our self-absorbed people that we are, we tend to say, you know, this is the way I look at life, therefore you should look at life the same way. And if you're not looking at life the same way, the same way, there's something wrong with you. Does anybody ever feel that way? Anybody? I'm going to pass out a, um, a little worksheet here, and I'm going to give like one per family, I think. If you're, who's heard of Gary Smalley? So he does this little, this cute little test thing called um, the lion. It's if you're a lion, a beaver, an otter, or a golden retriever. Who's done this test before? Anybody? Years ago? The reason I, I like this because, um, I'll bring it up right back to you. The reason I like this is because this is actually the disc test, but it kind of breaks it down into a more fun easy to understand kind of thing. The lion, that's the first. I talk about the lion because the lion is me, and I get to talk about it. I will give it to you as soon as I'm done reading, okay? You have to share them because I don't, my printer just ran out. Sorry. The lion likes authority to take charge, is determined, confident, firm, enterprising, competitive, enjoys challenges, a problem solver, productive, bold. They're the leaders. They're the dominant. They're the ones that say, hey, this is the way to do it. Do it my way. That's the right way. But lions are also too direct. They're pushy. They're overbearing. They're cocky. They're unyielding. They take big risks. They can be cold-blooded. And down the road, what? Yeah, right? That's rough, right? The next one is the golden retriever. The golden retriever is the, um, has sensitive feelings, loyal, calm, even-keeled, avoids confrontation, enjoys routine, dislikes change, warm and relational. But they're also easily hurt. They miss opportunities. They lack enthusiasm. They're weak. They miss honest intimacy. They stay in a rut. They're not spontaneous, indecisive, overly cautious. The third one is the otter. I'm also the otter. The otter is enthusiastic, takes risks, visionary, motivator, energetic, verbal, promoter, friendly, fun-loving, and likes variety. But they're also overbearing, danger, dangerous, daydreamer, manipulator, impatient, attacks under pressure, exaggerates, shallow relationships, too showy, flippant, not serious, too scattered, and not focused. Eeks. Any of, you, any of you guys see yourself in any of those? Yes or no? And then the beaver reads all the instructions. Accurate. Consistent, controlled, reserved, predictable, practical, orderly, factual, conscientious, perfectionistic, discerning. This is not me, just so you know. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Scheduled. Very scheduled. But... They, lack, they can lack spontaneity. They're too serious. They're stuffy. They lack variety, not adventurous, rigid, picky, inflexible, controlling, negative, rarely finishes a project, loses overview, smothering, 
strict, boring, stubborn. Wow. <laughs> here, you can look at this. Back here. I'm going to let you guys share. This is all I have. Yeah, have you seen those? Do you guys see yourselves in any of those things? Ed, what are you? Do you know? Uh-oh, sorry. Okay. What do you, Sue? Do you know? <laughs> How do you know that, Sue? Jay, do you know what you are? That's what I am. I'm a lion and an otter. Anybody else? Who else here is a lion? What are the problems that lions have? We can roll people. We can roll right over people, can't we? We can just steamroll over people. We're just like, hey, my way or the highway, get out of my way. This is what's happening because I'm right. Because I'm right. The thing about lions are not only are they right, if everyone do things their way, the world would be right. Right? If you would just get on board with my agenda, everything would be okay. Let me ask you, does that really work for the people in your lives? How do people feel about that kind of attitude? Pardon me? Yeah. Controlling, yes. Manipulated. Who here is an otter? I'm an otter. Otter, fun-loving, enthusiastic. Cinda's an otter. Cinda's an otter. Beaver. Anyone? Anyone? Um, beaver. Okay. So, what can happen with a beaver and a lion together? Do you know? And then steamroll people to do it, right? Here's our plan that is completely planned out. And by the way, you're going to do it. Yeah, okay. Who else is a beaver? Anybody else a beaver? Janet, you're a beaver. How does that work out for you? <laughs> okay. What are you? Right. Okay. Sheila, what are you? Okay. Do you know what you are? Aaron at all? Aaron needs to take the test. We'll let him have the test. Here's the problem, you guys, with um, this is this test is something that is called, it's about our behavior. It has nothing to do with our vocation. It has to do with how we express our vocation. Okay. Now, you'll find that a lot of accountants are beavers. Okay. You'll find that um, helpers can be... Um, golden retrievers, golden retrievers. Is that what you are? A lion and a beaver. So an otter is the fun-loving, life of the party, want to communicate, want to talk all the time, all the time, all the time, okay? The lion wants to have their own way. What's the problem, what's the problem, you guys, when we don't, when we, when we, live out of the negative side of our personality. What's the problem with that? What we're saying to people is, especially, this is, a, this is a really big deal for lions, and sometimes beavers, actually. This is actually a really big thing for lions. Lions are like, listen, I've got the answer. 
if you would do it my way, we'll all get along. And oh, by the way, I'm going to dominate and control you till you give in. Right? Am I right? Whoever has felt dominated by a lion? I felt dominated. The, the reality is, in our relationships, an unhealthy relationship is out of balance. It's a dominant person and a passive person. Healthy relationships come to the middle. Not one person is more dominant and what, not one person is more passive. All right? So lions have to learn to moderate their need to rule the world. Right? They need, they need to say, wait a minute. I'm dealing with a golden retriever. How do I love a golden retriever? Because that's the way they're made. How do I see life through the eyes of a golden retriever? How do I have um, a perspective outside of myself? Now, other types of personalities want to look at a lion and crucify him. They want to just... They want to run them over and not have anything to do with them because they're so bossy and pushy, right? How do those personalities deal with a lion, Bob, in a godly way? Correct. So how do you con? So okay. So how do you confront them? How would you confront them? I think the thing that's important to understand in this, I want you guys to understand, is we all have different ways that we approach the world from our own filter and from our own um, perspective. We have to appreciate that other people are not made like us, and we can't rule their lives, and we can't expect things from them that they would naturally understand. Um, I've had to say... That's why we say different, not wrong so much in our household. I've had to say, babe, just because somebody isn't doing it the way you think they should do it doesn't mean they're wrong. They come at it from a different perspective. I've learned this a lot in real estate. I'm a very cut and dried kind of person. I'm like, what are you looking for? Here's your five choices. Tell me what you want, right? There are some people, these are the ones that drive me crazy, they're like, well... God told me this, or God told me that. Or they're like, you know, I, I need to think about it. I, I, I need to look at 40 different properties. And I'm like, okay, you're driving me crazy. Here's what I've told you is available. I'm the expert. Why don't you believe me? Here's what's available. Here's what's your price range. Just pick. And they're like, no, I need to process. I've got to think about it. I've got to overthink about it. I've got to have analysis of paralysis. I have to take months and months and months and hope the market's going to change. What did you say? I'm saying that I cannot, I cannot understand. It's hard for me to understand the way they approach decision-making and appreciate it. But it doesn't make them wrong. What it means is they approach decision-making in a completely different way than I do, out of their own, out of their own personality. And if I'm going to love them, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be kind. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to push my way down their throat because I want to be God to them. I want to be the Father to them. I want to be Jesus to them. You let people process the way they're created. So in that sense, this is a big lesson to the people who are lions, right? 
Lions let people process the way need, they need to process. Everyone else who's not a lion, try to understand where lions are coming from and give them grace. And realize they're not trying to be jerks. They really do think they know everything. They really do. So if you can, if you can have that mercy and grace on them, you might not be so offended all the time. Right? Am I right? You can tell them. You can say, listen, and sometimes you have to say this, you guys. Part of being in a healthy relationship when you feel over-dominated is you have to stand up and confront because confrontation is normal and healthy. It's really hard, right? When someone is dominating you, that may be a time to stop and say, man, I feel super dominated right now. I feel controlled. I feel steamrolled. How do I confront in a godly way to let this person know I feel confronted, I feel steamrolled? You do. You go to them and you say, listen, Sue, I, I love you and I, I, I really value our friendship. But man, I'm like, I feel dumb. I'm scared right now to talk to you. <laughs> because I'm afraid you're not going to hear me. You know, and you're not going to hear my heart. You're not going to hear that I'm really scared about X, Y, or Z. And I really need you to be there for me. You know, one thing we learn at Danny Silk is when you have a, a close relationship, you get to put, make a demand on that relationship. You get to say, listen, Janet, you're super important to me. Because you're super important to me, I need to have the hard conversation with you. And I need to ask, can you help me with this need I have, this unmet expectation? Is it something you could possibly meet in my life? And I'm here to tell you, if somebody loves you and if they love the Lord, that'll go a long way. Because many people are not out to be jerks. They just don't know better. Seriously, they don't know better. And if you help them and say, man, that came across harsh, they will self-moderate. Many people will. I'm not saying everybody will. But as mature Christians, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt and communicate that. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. The second thing I want to talk about has, does not have to do with our behavior, the way we express ourselves. It has to do with our actual vocation, what we're called to do. Who here has heard of the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs? Okay. Those are um, tests. There's nine Enneagram uh, descriptions that tell you kind of how you're wired to do work. Or, Bob, help me, wired to... Yeah, your vocation. I would say about vocation. Um, I am, there's, there's the reformer, the helper, the achiever, the individualist, the investigator, the loyalist, the enthusiast, the challenger, and the peacemaker. I am a helper. Helper. So see, I'm going to help you whether you want it or not because it's my way or the highway, right? <laughs> So see, lion doesn't have to do with your vocation. It has to do with how you express your vocation. My vocation is, Dad, Jim, you're going to get my help, whether you want it or not. I'm helping you, and I'm helping you, and I'm helping you, and I'm helping you. And this is the way it should look. And I'm going to rescue you over there, okay? Because I'm a lion, and I can see all the way that you're hurt, so I need to help you, right? So that doesn't really have anything to do with the way you express it. It has to do with what you're called to do. But in that sense, a person who is an achiever or an investigator or reformer, they don't understand the heart of a helper. The heart of a helper is you call me any day, any time, day or night, I'll be there for you. 
because I'm a helper. I'm a pastor. A pastor is by definition a helper. We're there to help you through the rough times of life. We're going to bring you a meal. We're going to look and see what, what are the rough edges. How can I help you out? A shepherd, right? But there are going to be people that are investigators or achievers. Like, I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand. Because I'm a helper. I had a conversation with a, um, a man who is in Silicon Valley. He works for NVIDIA. And he is like a vice president up there. And we were talking about Steve Jobs and the, the culture of Silicon Valley. And I think I've talked to you about this before. And they purposely create a high-pressure competitive environment in order to what they think is will bring the best to the top because we're forcing people to compete against each other. So they'll pit teams of developers against each other to try to bring the very best ideas to the top. Well, that disgusts me. I can't stand that. I, that's hurtful to each other. Why would you do that? Why would you pit people against each other? That is unkind and not nice because that's the helper inside me, right? Well, that's a whole different personality. The other, other kind of um, thing I don't really understand is the military. When my first husband went into the military, you do a thing called boot camp, right? Or OCS, Officer um, Candidacy School. And what they do there is they deprive you of sleep for three days. They scream at you nonstop. They put so much pressure on you to see if you're going to crack. They call you all kinds of names. They run you physically for miles and miles till you are exhausted. And they're trying to wear you down. Their whole point, and I had to have this explained to me because I'm like, that's horrible. You should never scream obscenities to each other. That is hurting their self-esteem. Why would you do that to people? Don't you know that doesn't build people up? And what, I, what had to be explained to me was nobody, you can't simulate real, um, you, can't experience, you, can't sim, you can't experience real um, war, you know, with, with bombs and bullets and all that kind of thing. So you have to simulate a similar stress on people to see if they'll crack. Because what you're really doing is testing their ability to um, persevere under stress. Well, that, I can't participate in that. That doesn't fit my personality. I won't, I'm not going to be a person who's going to scream obscenities at you to see if you're going to crack. Like, I, I think that's horrible. And yet, I can see where there's a need for that, right? And there's a, there's a certain personality who understands the need for that. And I have to be able to say, wow, you know, I value you because you have the kind of disposition that can train our men and women for war. I'm not that person. I couldn't train anybody for war. I don't want to shoot people. I like shooting guns, but I don't want to shoot people, you know? And so in that sense, we have to look at different people's vocations, their, their callings, and say, how do we accept people right where they're at, even if they're different than I am, right? I don't understand the person, and this is probably more of a beaver, who gets up at 5 o'clock every morning, does their devotions, works out and, you know, hits, hits what works out and then, like, um, goes to work at 8 o'clock and starts all their work. And then at 5, they make a bunch of phone calls and do all these other things and do their hobbies. I'm like, who's got the time for that? That's too driven. That's too crazy. And yet, that's how they were made. These are the people that are, are um, Elon Musk and, and Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. 
They're creative geniuses who are so driven, they get things done. That's not for me, man. I need to take a rest. I need a break. I need to take things slower, you know? But we have to have value for people who are not like us. So we're different in the way we behave. We're different in the way we think. Another way that we are different is in the area of gender. Gender. Man and woman. Now, I'm going to just say some gender, some general gender things. Please don't take them as everyone is like this, but these are some generalities. Men usually deal more with an internal ego dialogue. Shame and disrespect and inadequacy are things that men more likely churns up their guts. Would anybody agree with that? Shame, inadequacy, ego issues. What do people think of me? Those are issues that men deal with generally. Yes or no? Raise your hand if you agree. Somewhat? Okay. Poorly. That's what the, those are some core fears of theirs. Core fear of women, relational issues, rejection. They're more relational. Men's issues are more ego-oriented. Women's are more relationally oriented. Does that find, does anybody agree with that? Yes or no? No? No, I, I, I can agree. You agree? Okay. So, the, so another way that we're going to have to understand each other is through the filter of our gender. How are we alike? How are we different gender-wise? Um, I don't know about you, but when I go on a diet, I don't want my husband talking to me about it. No, I want no one talking to me about it. It's my business and my business alone because I don't want to be judged by it because value and whether people value me is very important. When Chris goes on a diet, he wants me to monitor his food for him. I don't want to do that, right? But he doesn't care because that doesn't affect this core issue of am I valued? Am I going to be rejected, right? Um, for Chris... He, his core fears revolve around ego and, and uh, affirmation and being adequate. I spend time, because I love him, affirming him, saying, how can I affirm you and how do I help you in this area of ego? Because it's very, very important to him. I think if we're going to love each other well, if we're going to have good relationships, we're going to, just like that um, Emerson, Dr. Emerson said, we're going to recognize that some of us have pink uh, earplugs, and some of us have blue earplugs. One thing, one example he gave, which is so, just opened my eyes like this. And men, tell me if you do this. Dr. Emerson said, when men have issues, or they have something they need to think about, they want to go inside and process. They want to internally process. They want to go onto their island, camp out by themselves, and talk to themselves, and internally process. Women, or at least me, I want to verbally process, and I want to do it right now. I don't want to go to the island. I want us to stay right here in the moment and verbally process. And by the way, if you go to the island, I will ram your island with my boat. Because by gum, you're going to let me on your island, and I'm going to know what's going on with you. Does that, does that resonate with anybody? I'm going to ram. I, tell, I have said to Chris, 
I'm ready to ram your island, so let me know what's going on here. And sometimes, it sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? Sometimes people, but generally men, are internal processors that need to take time to process. And women are like, what the heck is wrong with you? Why are we not talking this out? Why aren't we figuring out what's going on? And by the way, I can help you with your issue if you'd let me in, right? Am I right? And I think if we're going to have good relationships with other genders, we're going to make a place for, oh, they process differently, possibly. They might have different core fears than I have because of their gender. Another area that we um, experience difference, you guys, or we process differently is, if we, is our circumstances, how we've been raised, what kind of wounds we've experienced growing up. Those are going to inform the way that we process life. Now, I've been divorced, and it was a really messy divorce. Jay was my um, divorce lawyer. There she is. Give her a hand clap because she did a really good job. And for a long time, my case was the thickest one in her, um, in her office, but it's not anymore, right? Okay. I've been surpassed. But it was a high-conflict case. It went on for a year and a half. It was very high conflict. Because of that wound in my life, it informs the way I receive and perceive the world around me. So someone could say something to me, or my husband could say something to me, and because I have a filter and a wound of rejection, I receive it through that wound. And the other person is like, I never meant that. I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you so offended? Triggered. If we're going to love each other well, we're going to make a place for people's triggers and their filters. Okay, there's two, now there's two parts to this, you guys. If we're going to be good lovers, love people well, we're going to say, man, I don't know what, I don't, maybe she got triggered, maybe something happened in her life, I don't know. I'm going to give her grace and mercy for that. Absolutely. The second part to this, though, you guys, if we're going to be good people in relationships, we're going to own our own triggers and our filters, and we're going to pursue our own healing, right? Because if we're going to be what God's called us to be, I, I appreciate that people that walk with a limp, that means they felt a little bit of life. But you can't do a lot when you're completely broken. You can't be as effective as you need to be for the kingdom when you're so broken down you're just concentrated on your own pain. Does that make sense? I, um, a long time ago, I was moving something out of the garage for some reason or another. <laughs> and I, I pinched my pinky so hard that, like, my world closed in on me. Like, my vision came like this. I couldn't speak. I couldn't think. My pinky throbbed. Like, I've never had anything throb before, and I, I thought maybe it got cut off or something. Like, I didn't know what happened. But my point is that little point of pain, which doesn't seem like very much to anybody, that shut me down. No one was talking to me. I wasn't getting anything done. I was so closed up in my own pain that I was not even aware. I mean, there could have been a fire or a war going on around me, and I could not have attended to it. I was so closed in on my pain. And you guys, if we're so closed in on our pain and we're not taking the steps to get healing, we cannot be healthy in a relationship. 
because we can't be present in the relationship. We're so focused on our own hurt. And one of the values here is to get our own healing, not to just say, hey, by the way, you need to be healed. No, we need to be healed. We need to be healed. And if we're going to be good lovers, we've got to pursue our own healing. And here's the deal. And we get to model it to the people behind us. We get to model it to our kids because I've got news for you. You've screwed your kids up. They're going to need some kind of healing from you. Sorry. We've all not been the best parents because we can't be. You guys, we're not perfect. So you're going to model healing to your children. You're going to model healing to your coworkers. You're going to say, hey, this program, Celebrate Recovery, really helped me. Why don't you try it out? You know? If we're going to be the world changes that we need to be, we've got to hone our relationship skills. We've got to realize that people are different than us, and they're not necessarily wrong. They just have different, they have a different perspective. They have a different calling. They have different circumstances that they've lived through. And we're going to make a place for that. And as lions, we're not going to steamroll people, right? We're going to say, wait, did I just, am I trying to control you? Let me back down just a little bit. Maybe it's not just my way. Maybe it's all our ways if we would just collaborate together, right? So I just want to close this off. And I just do want to, um, I want to invite anybody up. I'll pray with them or anybody who wants prayer who maybe has experienced a wound from a family member or from a circumstance, from a lie they've received, and they need that broken off. So they can go forward into, into a healthy relationship. If any of you need that, come and see me after um, we close. But I'm going to close this out in prayer. We're going to go eat. I think it's King Supers, you guys. Delicious. Eat some King Supers. Debbie picked it up for us. Yay. And I want anybody who needs to have something broken off them, like I said, some kind of unhealthy wound so they can be in a good relationship I want you to I will come I will pray for you okay so let's just um pray together right now Lord I thank you God that relationships do matter and relationships are the backbone of our society God and we are committed to having healthy relationships God I pray that you'd make every person here a lamppost in the um area of influence that you've put them that they would be a lamppost to point the way to who you are and what you say over them, that they would become so healthy and so whole in how you made them that they would naturally attract people to them, and they'd be able to point the way to healing to the people around them. God, I thank you for the people here. God, I pray that you bless them. Let us have a great time tonight having our meal, Father, and and I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.